You're listening to the Qalam Institute podcast series, Sira, Life of the Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Qalam is pleased to announce that admissions for the next Qalam seminary intake are now open. For more information, please visit qalaminstitute.org. Bismillahi wa alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillahi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Inshallah, continuing with our series on the life of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, Asiratu Nabawiya, the prophetic biography. In the previous few sessions, we've been talking about the Battle of Badr, and more specifically, we've been talking about the specific events that led up to the Battle of Badr itself, and we talked about some of the, um, you know, precursor to the actual battle, the day of the fighting itself. Um, and this is of course just to kind of remind everyone this is the second year of Hijrah, uh, the second year of the Prophet residence in the city of Medina. It is the month of Ramadan and now where we are right now is that the Prophet is outside of the city of Medina. He has reached the place of Badr, the wells of Badr along with you know the group of Sahaba. The Prophet has now not only have the Meccans received the word that the Prophet is on his way to intercept the caravan, but the Quraysh has set out an army of a thousand strong uh, that have reached very close to the wells of Badr as well. The Prophet receiving the information that there's an army of a thousand strong that is on their way here to fight us has now updated the Sahaba about the circumstances and inquired of them because as we talked about, there were 313 companions, there were 313 Muslims. Out of that, about 70 some odd of them were from the Muhajirun, were from the original residents of Mecca. Whereas 240 plus of them are from, or 240 of them are from Medina, they are the Ansar. So the Prophet ﷺ has consulted with them, updated them about the circumstances, and they have all not only just complied and agreed to engaging with the army that is on their way, but at the same time they've, they've expressed their uh, sincere desire to do whatever is required of them in order to serve Allah and His Messenger ﷺ. At this particular time and situation, I also explained in the previous session how the Muslims very strategically positioned themselves at the uh, consultation, at the advice of Hubab ibn al-Munzir radiallahu ta'ala anhu uh, about positioning themselves at the wells and in fact sealing up the other wells so that the Muslims would have control of the uh, water in the area as well. It was at this time that once they now positioned themselves and kind of scoped out the situation, figured out exactly where the battle would take place, that Sa'ad bin Mu'adh radiallahu ta'ala anhu, the great Sa'ad bin Mu'adh, who was the same one who gave that glowing, you know, gave, gave just those beautiful remarks of support to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa He comes to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa and he says, Ya Nabi Allah, ala nabni laka arishan takunu fihi wa nu'iddu indaka raka'i uh, he said that, O Messenger of Allah, O Prophet of God, should we not build, build a place for you, kind of like a tent or a place for you where you can be safe and we will in fact prepare people, we will keep people around you on standby that if the situation we will go and we will fight the enemy. So if we are able to defeat the enemy, then that's exactly what we hope for. But if the situation turns for the worst, 
and that we are not able to defeat the enemy, but the enemy gains an over, uh, the upper hand over us. He says that, and if the situation turns for the worst, then you are able to immediately get on the transportation. You have some people there to protect you and escort you. They will rush you back to Medina because we have left people behind us in Medina. There were many companions that were still back there in Medina, specifically from the Ansar, from the Medinan community. And he says that they do not love you any less than we do, meaning they love you just as much as we do. They are devoted to you just as much as we are. And if the enemy was to pursue you to Medina, they would fight with you there and they would defend you in Medina there. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will defend you using them. They will advise you whatever is best and they will fight along with you. فَأَثْنَى عَلَيْهِ خَيْرًا The Prophet ﷺ praised Sa'ad bin Mu'adh for his comments and made dua for him. ثُمَّ بُنِيَ لِي رَسُولَ كَانَ فِيهِ And that tent was then built for the Prophet ﷺ to be able to be there. And um, the Prophet ﷺ was able to then, you know, uh, go and wait for the battle to commence within that tent. And I'll come back and talk about that tent in just a minute because the Prophet ﷺ wasn't concerned for running away from the battlefield, but that tent served a very strategic purpose for the Prophet ﷺ, which I will bring up in just a minute. It then talks about the army of Quraysh arrives in the battlefield. They also arrive to the point where they can see the Muslims and the Muslims can see them. And as soon as they came into the valley, the Prophet ﷺ raised his hands up to the sky and he made a dua. Allahumma hadihi Quraysh qad aqbalat bi khuyalaiha wa fakhriha tahadduka wa tukathibu rasulak. He said, oh Allah, this Quraysh have come with all their pride and their arrogance. And they defy you, O Allah, and they call your messenger a liar. Allahumma fanasrak alladhi wa'attani. Allahumma ahinhum al-ghadat. He said, O Allah, deliver your help that you promised me. And O Allah, you dispose of them tomorrow. You dispose of them the next day. You deal with them the next day. After which point in time, and the, the scholars of the seerah mentioned that this was now the day of Thursday. We are talking about the day of Thursday when both armies have settled into where the battle would take place. It is the 16th of the month of Ramadan. So the following day, of course, is the 17th of the month of Ramadan. And the, uh, it is the day of Friday. At this particular time, um, there's a couple of narrations which mention the fact that some of the muhajirun from the Muslims, they actually sent some gifts to the people that they were related to who had come to fight from the Meccan side. They sent some gifts. And they said that we are expressing to you what we call Silat al-Rahim. Qada wasalatka rahimun. We have given you your right. We are acknowledging the fact that you are related to us. And we don't want to engage in any battle if it is unnecessary and it can be avoided. And so they sent this message to them. Hakim bin Hizam, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who is 
at this time is not Muslim. He came to fight on behalf of the Meccans, the Quraysh. And Hakim bin Hizam, he is a cousin of Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha. He had also been very sympathetic towards the Muslims in the past. In fact, there's an incident, there's a story that's related that when the Muslims were boycotted in the Shi'ab of Abi Talib, I mentioned this in the podcast, when the Muslims were boycotted in the Shi'ab of Abi Talib, Hakim bin Hizam, who was not a Muslim, but was considered from the leaders of the Quraysh, and was a part of the opposition to the Prophet ﷺ, but was sympathetic. Obviously, because he had some grain of iman inside of him because he would become Muslim later. Secondly, he was a cousin of Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha. He was seen taking some food over to the shi'ib where Abu, Ta, uh, uh, excuse me, Abu Jahl confronted him. And Abu Jahl engaged in a confrontation with him and started to berate him and tried to attack him for aiding the Muslims and defying the boycott. And so Hakim bin Hizam is a very interesting person in this particular case and scenario. When he heard about this message being sent from some of the muhajirun from the Muslim side, he actually goes to Ujbat ibn Rabi'ah. And he says, Ya Abal Walid, which was his kunya, innaka kabiru Quraysh wa sayyiduha wal muta'u fiha. He said that, look, you are a leader of the Quraysh. You are the elder of the Quraysh. You are somebody that the Quraysh listens to. What if you had the opportunity to do something that would give you a lasting mark, a lasting legacy? What if you could bring some very long-lasting good to your own people? He said, What do you propose? And he said, you take your people and you go back to Mecca. Look, at the end of the day, we have two issues and grievances here. Number one, Ibn al-Hadrami who was killed, and I mentioned this, that this was one of the incidents that led up to the Battle of Badr, where the Prophet ﷺ had sent a group of Muslims to just scout the route between Mecca and Ta'if and not do anything else. And unfortunately, a couple of those Sahaba, there were about six of them, a couple of them acted um, outside of their directive. And they ended up killing a Meccan man by the name of Ibn al-Hadrami. And that's where the ayat came down. It was during the sacred months and a bunch of propaganda went from there. And the ayat came down about that. And the Prophet ﷺ paid the blood money for it. And sent condolences to the family. And publicly acknowledged that he should not have been killed and this was wrong, that was done. This was not under my instruction or directive, but I take responsibility. And he offered the blood money and he offered an apology and condolences to the family. So he said, Ibn al-Hadrami was killed, but that's been taken care of. His dam, his diya was paid for. His blood money was taken care of. The second grievance could be that they were trying to intercept the caravan of Abu Sufyan. Well, the caravan of Abu Sufyan has now been secured. It is safe. That is no longer a danger. That is no longer a concern. So then what are we actually doing here? And he, he even told him, he said that when we go into the battlefield tomorrow, what will end up happening? We will be raising swords against some of our own relatives. This does not make any sense. And the Muslims, they've sent this word as well. They don't want this to happen if it's unnecessary. So what are we doing? So Utbah ibn Rabi'ah realizing the situation and also who maintained somewhat more political control in that situation. He says, Fati ibn al-Hanzaliyah. You need to go talk to the son of Hanzaliyah. Hanzaliyah was the nickname that was given to the mother of Abu Jahl. The mother of Abu Jahl, her name was Asma bint Makhraba. Her nickname, she was known as Hanzaliyah. 
And this is the mother of Abu Jahl. So he says, you need to go talk to the son of Al-Hanzaliyah. You need to go talk to Abu Jahl. فَإِنِّي لَا أَخْشَى أَنْ يَشْجُرَى أَمْرَ النَّاسِ غَيْرُهُ Because he's the only one that can actually make this happen. Like he's the one instigating the entire thing. You need to go talk to Abu Jahl. So Utbah stood up and he addressed the people that were around him. And he said, يَا مَعَشَرَ قُرَيْشِ إِنَّكُمْ وَاللَّهِ مَا تَصْنَعُونَ بِأَن تَلْقَوْ مُحَمَّدًا وَأَصْحَابَهُ شَيْئًا وَاللَّهِ لَإِنْ أَصَبْتُمُهُ لَا يَزَالُ الرَّجُلُ يَنْدُرُ إِلَى وَجْهِ رَجُلٍ يَكْرَهُ النَّظَرَ إِلَيْهِ قَتَلَ إِبْنَ عَمِّهِ أَوْ إِبْنَ خَالِهِ أَوْ رَجُلًا مِنْ عَشِيرَتِهِ فَرْجِعُوا وَخَلُّوا بَيْنَ مُحَمَّدٍ وَبَيْنَ سَائِرِ الْعَرَبِ فَإِنْ أَصَابُوهُ فَذَلِكَ الَّذِي أَرَدْتُمْ وَإِنْ كَانَ غَيْرُ ذَلِكَ أَلْفَاكُمْ وَلَمْ تَعَرَّضُوا مِنْهُ مَا تُرِيدُونَ so Utbah actually stands up and says, look, I will do what I can. I will exert whatever influence I have. And he stands up and he addresses the people around him, his own personal supporters and his followers. And he says, look, listen people. He says that if you do what you're about to do, which is go and face Muhammad and his companions in battle tomorrow, then you will be looking at the face of people that you would never want to look at in the battlefield. They are your cousins, your brothers. And he said that, so leave Muhammad and his companions. Let Muhammad and his followers do whatever they will do. Why? Because let them go and engage with the rest of the Arab tribes. Why should we be killing our own? If they go to the rest of the Arab tribes, and the rest of the Arab tribes, they defeat them, then you got what you wanted. It's over. But if Muhammad and his companions dominate over the Arabs, then he will remember his relationship to you. Al-Fakum. He will remember his relationship to you. He will maintain good relationships with you. And he will not confront you. So he pleads with the people. Hakim says, فَانْتَلَقْتُ حَتَّى جِئْتُ أَبَا جَهْلَ So I went to go talk to Abu Jahl. فَوَجَدْتُهُ قَدْ نَثَلَ دِرْعًا لَهُ فَهُوَ يُهَيِّئُهَا He says that I found him basically taking out his armor, laying his armor out and preparing it for battle. فَقُلْتُ لَهُ يَا أَبَا الْحَكَمُ We call him Abu Jahal, they used to call him Abu Al-Hakam. So he says, يَا أَبَا الْحَكَمُ O Father of Wisdom, إِنَّ عُتْبَ أَرْسَلَنِي إِلَيْكَ بِكَذَا وَكَذَا عُتْبَ told me to come talk to you about such and such matter. فَقَالَ إِن تَفَخَ وَاللَّهِ سَحْرُهُ So he said something very disrespectful, which basically means that you know, he is a big coward. He's full of hot air. Utbah is a coward. So he cursed him. He says, as soon as he saw Muhammad and his companions in the battlefield, now he's a coward. We will not return back from the battlefield until Allah settles this matter between us and between Muhammad wasallam. So, at that particular time, the people basically got riled up and people started getting ready for battle. And the news of the comments that Abu Jahl had made reached back to Utbah. And so Utbah got very angry. He says, Sayyalamu Musafiru Istihi Manintafaka Sahruhu. So he curses him. He says, we'll find out. And the word that he uses, musafiru istihi, basically means that his own pants are dirty. Right? Like he's, he soiled himself. Abu Jahl himself is so afraid of Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa that he soiled himself. 
And we'll see exactly who is more afraid. Ana am huwa. But basically the gist of the issue is, is that when these types of comments were made back and forth and ego basically came into it, then that whole proposal and that proposition, that possibility of the battle not taking place, that was completely gone. And basically everyone started getting ready and started getting together to confront the opposing army within the battle. It was at this particular time that it's mentioned that the Prophet ﷺ, he in preparation for the battle, the night before, the Prophet ﷺ, or some of the scholars mentioned the morning of, early in the morning time, the Prophet ﷺ was in that little tent that the Sahaba that Sa'ad bin Mu'ad radiallahu ta'ala anhu had constructed for the Prophet wasallam, And Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu was one of the key people who was appointed to watch over the Prophet wasallam and to make sure that the Prophet wasallam was safe. And so what the Prophet ﷺ, Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he talks about what he saw the Prophet ﷺ doing in that situation. And he says that the Prophet ﷺ, he started making dua. And he was making such a, a powerful dua that he mentions that the Prophet ﷺ, yukthiru al-ibtihal wa tadarru wa dua. He kept making dua over and over again. For hours on end, the Prophet ﷺ kept making dua. وَيَقُولُ فيما يَدْعُو بِهِ And he was saying in his dua, اللَّهُمَّ إِنَّكَ إِن تُهْلِكْ هَذِهِ الْعِصَابَةَ لَا تُعْبَدْ بَعْدَهَا فِي الْأَرْضِ Oh Allah, if you allow this small little group of devout believers to be destroyed in the battlefield tomorrow, if you allow them to perish, you will not be worshipped in the earth as you deserve to be worshipped. Meaning, these are the only people in the earth, Ya Allah, these couple of hundred people who worship you as you deserve to be worshipped. If you allow them to perish tomorrow, then who is left to worship you as you deserve to be worshipped? And again, he's basically pleading with Allah. He was saying, Allahumma anjizli ma wa'attani. Allahumma nasrak. He said, Oh Allah, you promised me that you would grant me victory. Bring the victory now. And oh Allah, bring your help and your victory now. The Prophet ﷺ, he raised his arms up to the sky so high that the shoulders, the, 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 the shawl that the Prophet ﷺ was wearing, it fell off of his shoulders. And Abu Bakr picked up the shawl of the Prophet ﷺ, he put it over his shoulders and he clutched the Prophet ﷺ from behind like he, he hugged him from behind and he said Ya Rasulullah Ba'da munashidatika rabbaka fa'innahu sayunjizu laka ma wa'adak O Messenger of Allah you have made enough dua to your master to your Lord to your Rabb Allah he will fulfill his promise to you he has fulfilled his promise to you and he was consoling the Prophet ﷺ. And it said that Abu Bakr was the main one appointed to watch over the Prophet ﷺ and to be there for the protection of the Prophet ﷺ. And he had his sword drawn the entire time, standing. The entire time the Prophet ﷺ was sitting and making dua and praying, Abu Bakr stood there with his sword drawn right behind the Prophet ﷺ to watch over him and to make sure he was safe. Imam Bazar, who is Ahmad al-Bazar, one of the muhaddithun in his musnad, he mentions a narration that is mentioned by Muhammad bin Aqil from Ali bin Abi Talib that one time he gave khutbah to the people. 
when he was Khalifa and he said, Ya ayyuhan nas, man ashja'un nas. Ya ayyuhan nas, man ashja'un nas. Oh people, who is the most bravest of all the people? Faqalu anta ya amir al-mu'mineen. They said, you are a, a leader of the believers. And of course, they're not just praising him because he's the amir. This is a reality. We know how brave Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu was, how courageous he was, and what a valiant fighter he was. And so they say, anta ya amir al-mu'mineen. He said, faqala ama inni ma barazani ahadun illa intasaftu minhu. Walakin huwa Abu Bakr. He said that I never fought anyone that I was not able to defeat. He says, when you say I'm the bravest of the people, I might have been the most skilled fighter. I never faced anyone in battle that I was not able to disperse of, to dismiss, to defeat. However, the bravest man that I've ever seen in my entire life was none other than Abu Bakr. إِنَّا جَعَلْنَا لِرَسُولَ We had built a tent for the Prophet on the day of Badr. فَقُلْنَا مَنْ يَكُونُ مَعَ الرَّسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ لِأَلَّا يَهُوَيَ إِلَيْهِ أَحَدٌ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ We said, who will guard over the Prophet ﷺ so that nobody would dare go near to him from amongst the mushrikun? And he says, فَوَاللَّهِ مَا دَنَا مِنَّا أَحَدٌ إِلَّا أَبُو بَكَرٍ He says that nobody from amongst us stepped forward before Abu Bakr شَاهِرًا بِالسَّيْفِ عَلَى رَأْسِ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ He drew out his sword and stood right at the head of the Prophet ﷺ to guard him and to protect him. لَا يَهْوِي إِلَيْهِ أَحَدٌ إِلَّا أَهْوَى إِلَيْهِ Anytime anyone even came in the direction of the Prophet ﷺ, Abu Bakr would immediately step forth in the direction of that person. فَهَذَا أَشْجَعُ النَّاسِ He was the bravest of all the people. And we've also you know, talked about previously in the podcast as well, that when the Prophet ﷺ, was making the hijrah from Makkah to Medina, Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, his travel companion stood, kept moving around him. He would move, he would travel in front of him. Then he would slide around behind him. Then he would go to the right of him. He would go to the left of him. He continued to move around the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam to constantly provide protection to him. And provide protection for him until the Prophet ﷺ finally inquired of him that, Oh Abu Bakr, what is going on? Why do you keep rotating around like this? And he said that whenever I think somebody could come from in front, I move in front of you. And when I feel somebody could come from behind, I slide to behind you, and to the right of you, and to the left of you. So he says that Abu Bakr was the most courageous out of all of us. And so Abu Bakr continued to stand guard over the Prophet ﷺ. And this is actually mentioned by many of the scholars of the seerah as being one of the great virtuous moments of the life of Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So much so that uh, Ali bin Abi Talib radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he even commented when mentioning this, that فَوَاللَّهِ فَقَالَ عَلِي فَوَاللَّهِ لَسَاعَةٌ مِنْ أَبِي بَكَرْ خَيْرٌ مِنْ مِلِّ الْأَرْضِ مِنْ مُؤْمِنِ آلِ فِرْعَوْنِ that, that he actually goes on to mention that in the battlefield, some of the disbelievers, when they saw the Prophet ﷺ, they dared not come close to the Prophet ﷺ because Abu Bakr was there to defend him and other Sahaba would keep coming between them. So they started shouting insults at the Prophet ﷺ. That you are the one that made all of our gods and deities and idols into one God. And Abu Bakr before the Prophet ﷺ could say anything, he would move towards them with his sword and he would say that, He would say, 
How terrible are you people? You would dare try to kill a man. Who says that my master and my Lord is Allah. And then Ali bin Abi Talib recounting the story, he lifted up his shawl over his face and he started to cry. And he cried so much that his beard became soaked with his tears. And he said, I ask you in the name of Allah, Who is better, the believer from the people of Fir'aun who defended Musa alayhi salam? Or is Abu Bakr better? فَسَكَتَ الْقَوْمِ The people were quiet. فَقَالَ عَلِيْفَ وَاللَّهِ He says, I swear to Allah, لَسَاعَةٌ مِنْ أَبِي بَكَرٍ One hour in the shoes of Abu Bakr. خَيْرٌ مِنْ مِلْءِ الْأَرْضِ مِنْ مُؤْمِنِ آلِ فِرْعَوْنِ If the whole earth became full of those believers from the people of Fir'aun who defended Musa alayhi salam. If the whole earth became filled with such people, one hour of the life of Abu Bakr is more useful to this ummah, is more beneficial to humanity, is more fruitful for the religion of Islam. ذَاكَ رَجُلٌ يَكْتُمُ إِيمَانَهُ وَهَذَا رَجُلٌ أَعْلَنَ إِيمَانَهُ Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when He tells us about the believer from the people of Fir'aun, He says he was somebody who was hiding his iman. Abu Bakr was the one from the very first day he went out there and he proclaimed his iman. So Abu Bakr, Abu Bakr was the bravest of the people that I've ever known. And so this also took place on the Battle of Badr. Finally when both parties, both sides arrived within the battlefield, um, What's very interesting is that there are many narrations which talk about that when they started to observe one another, when they started to look across the battlefield at one another, something that's very interesting that's narrated is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions وَإِذْ يُرِيكَهُمْ وَإِذْ يُرِيكُمُوهُمْ إِذِ الْتَقَيْتُمْ فِي أَعْيُنِكُمْ قَلِيلًا وَيُقَلِّلُكُمْ فِي أَعْيُنِهِمْ In Surah Al-Anfal, and we're actually, once we get through the Battle of Badr, I will go through the ayat of Surah Al-Anfal, explaining how Allah lays out the entire Battle of Badr. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Anfal, in ayah number 44, He says, وَإِذْ يُرِيكُمُوهُمْ That when we showed you, when it was showed to you, when you were showed to them, when you met one another in the battlefield, you saw them to be very few, and you were made to look very little in their eyes. It's very interesting, and the Mufassirun discuss this a lot. Allah says that you were made to see the opposing army, the disbelievers, to be very few in number. And you looked to them to be very few in number. And the understanding of that, the understanding of that is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala set this up in this manner so that both the believers on one end would not be intimidated by the fact that they were at number three to one. The Sahaba were the most courageous of people. The Prophet ﷺ is the most courageous man to ever walk the face of this earth. But at the same time, just so that some of the Sahaba would not have an immediate human reaction, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the opposing army look very few to them. One of the companions, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he actually says in this narration that I turned to one person to the right of me, Ibn Afra. Ibn Afra, he says that I turned to the person to the right of me and I asked, How many people are there? 
Or, uh, and he said, there's maybe about thamanin, there's about 80 people. And I turned to the people, to the, to the guy to the left of me, and I said, how many people do you think there are? And he said, Mia, maybe there's about 100 people. The army of 1,000 people looked no more than 80. It looked to the Muslims like they outnumbered the mushrikun three to one. When it was quite the opposite. So that the believers would just, would be courageous. And they would have absolutely no hesitations or reservations. On the other side, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the believers look very few in number to the disbelievers. Now you would think the strategy is that the believers should look three times as many to intimidate the disbelievers. But that's not what Allah did. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made them look very few. And the reason for that was, وَلَا تَكُونُوا كَالَّذِينَ خَرَجُوا مِنْ دِيَارِهِمْ بَطَرًا بَطَرًا وَرِيَاءَ النَّاسِ Right, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the disbelievers, do not be like those people who came out from their homes arrogantly, showing off. Remember Abu Jahl's comment, when Abu Sufyan said, look, we got away, our caravan is safe, we can go back home now. And Abu Jahl said, no, we brought a bunch of food, we brought a bunch of wine, we brought a bunch of music, and a bunch of like singing and dancing and all this entertainment. What are we going to do with all of this? We got to use it. So what we're going to do is we're going to fight and we're going to win and then we're going to celebrate. So that level of arrogance that they had, it only increased them in their arrogance. Because you see, there's a very fine line between confidence and arrogance. They oftentimes talk about it, right? Whether we might have heard this type of discussion, whether it be in sports or in competition, right? That you want to be confident in your ability, but you don't want to underestimate your enemy. Because the problem is when you underestimate your enemy, that's when you get caught off guard. That's when they catch you off guard. And it knocks the wind out of you. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the disbelievers look fewer in number to the believers to give them courage. He made the believers look very few in number to the disbelievers so that they would become arrogant and overconfident. And that they would underestimate their enemy. They would underestimate them. And that's exactly what ended up happening. And so both sides had this type of um, estimation of one another. So now it's the morning of. And both uh, sides of the army, they basically line up. And so when they line up, there are narrations about this, that the Prophet ﷺ, he was holding in his hand a... Um, the Prophet ﷺ was holding an arrow in his hand. He was holding an arrow in his hand. And the Prophet ﷺ, the Sahaba ﷺ, they relate this, that Sufifna Yawma Badrin, right, that the Prophet ﷺ, he, you know, we, he, we were lining up, we were being lined up on the day of Badr, and the Prophet ﷺ, he was the one, Addala Sufufa Ashabi Yawma Badr. The Prophet ﷺ went through checking our saf to make sure it was straight. To make sure that the saf was straight. And this is, there's a little nuance in this as well, right? That on one side we understand that Allah, the Prophet ﷺ brought the sahaba as is, as they were into the battlefield. They were fewer in number, they were not as well prepared as the mushrikun, etc, etc. Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ, Allah ﷻ was training the sahaba. In fact, one of the things that I'll mention as we go forward, but the scholars say that Badr was training for the sahaba in La ilaha illallah. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the sole doer. 
And everything only happens by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That against all odds, Allah granted you a victory. So on one end, it was to affirm within them that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ultimately does everything. And everything is in the hands of Allah. And we've never fought based on numbers. We will never fight based on numbers. But we will fight based on the help and the, the, the nusra of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That was the training and that was the understanding. But at the same time, we see that the Prophet still instilled discipline within the believers. Discipline within the believers. So it was not so much the discipline for the sake of the battle. The battle was another means of instituting and developing more discipline. It was an opportunity for the Prophet ﷺ to teach discipline to the companions. So he lined them up in the saf. He was straightening them up. And they say that the Prophet ﷺ, as he was walking through, he was saying, Ma'iya, 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 with me, with me, with me. Like, look here, look here, look here. He was getting everyone's attention. Are you with me? Are you with me? Are you with me? Right? The Prophet ﷺ was rallying the troops. We see some like really remarkable things on the part of the Prophet ﷺ here. The Prophet ﷺ was a motivator. The Prophet ﷺ was a leader. And so he's checking everyone. Ma'iya, 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 are you with me? Are you with me? And he had this arrow and he was like putting it against their chest, making sure that they were lined up straight. فَمَرَّ بِسِوَادِ بْنِ غَزِيَّةِ حَلِيفِ بَنِي عَدِي بْنِ النَّجَّارِ وَهُوَ مُسْتَنْتِلٌ مِنَ الصَّفِ So he passed by Siwad bin Ghaziyah, who was one of the Hulafa uh, of Adi bin Najjar. So he was one of the Hulafa of the Ansar. So he had come to battle, he was a believer, he was a Muslim. And he was standing out from the saf a little bit. So the Prophet ﷺ kind of poked him on the chest with the arrow, very lightly, just kind of nudged him a little bit. He poked him with him on the chest. And he said, Istawi ya sawad. Istawi ya sawad. He says, straighten up. Playfully. فَقَالَ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهُ Right? So when the Prophet ﷺ kind of poked him a little bit lightly and he said, straighten up. You know, he overacted a little bit. He was like, oh my goodness, that hurts so much. Oja'atani. Right? That hurts so much. And he said, and Allah has sent you with truth and with justice. And you poked me? You hurt me? Right? How is this justice, Ya Rasulullah? فَأَقِدْنِي Right? He said, give me justice. Allow me retribution. Now you can imagine, right? The Sahaba are probably like, what's going on here? So the Prophet ﷺ, who had a shawl draped around him, around his upper body, the Prophet ﷺ removed his shawl to expose, because his chest, the Sahabi, his chest was showing, right? He was ready for battle. So his chest was open, and the Prophet ﷺ had poked him there, so the Prophet ﷺ uncovered his chest. And he said, Istaqid. He handed him the arrow and he said, Take retribution. So he hugged the Prophet and he kissed him on his chest. So the Prophet said, He said, What made you do this, Ya Sawad? He said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, you see what has come. You see the situation that we are in. He said, 
فَدَعَلَهُ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ بِخَيْرٍ وَقَالَهُ And the Prophet ﷺ, so he says, the Prophet ﷺ asked him, why would you do this? And he said, O Messenger of Allah, you see the situation that we are in. So I wanted that if these are my last moments, that I would be able to hug you. And I would be able to have contact with you. As the last person I had contact with before I left this world. And the Prophet ﷺ made dua for him. And so this, the Prophet ﷺ in this way, he ثُمَّ عَدَّلَ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَّى So he straightened up all the rows. وَرَجَعَ إِلَى الْعَرِيشِ فَدَخْلَهُ And the Prophet ﷺ went back to that tent that they had constructed for him. And he entered into it. And he continued making his dua. And he instructed the companions that do not engage the enemy in battle until and unless I give you permission. Do not engage the enemy in battle. Even if they rain down arrows upon you, do not engage them until I grant you permission. And one of the narrations, it even mentions that when the enemy came and they lined up, and they started marching towards them, that the Prophet ﷺ was in dua. He had his head lowered and he was in dua. And they said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, they have come, they have come. Abu Bakr was calling to the Prophet ﷺ, that O oh, Messenger of Allah, they have come, they have arrived. And the Prophet didn't respond to him initially. Until finally after a couple of times, the Prophet raised his head and he said, let's go now. Because now the help from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has come. The angels are descending down into the battlefield. And at this particular time, the Prophet went out there and he basically you know, um, stood out there. And it was at this particular time that the battle began. And of course the battle began with the... Uh, the way that the battles would oftentimes occur in these situations where they would have the mubaraza, where certain individuals from both sides would come out, right? And they would basically, um, you know, have like almost like these one-on-one -on -one fights that they would have. Two or three people would fight initially, and from there the entire battle would commence. And inshallah, in the following session, we'll talk about the actual commencement of the battle, what transpired in the battlefield, and we'll talk about all of this there, inshallah. I'm sorry I have to conclude a little bit sooner, a little bit earlier today, but I have to actually make it back, uh, inshallah, to Arlington. Uh, before Salat al-Isha. Uh, but inshallah, we will continue uh, next week and we'll pick up from here and talk about exactly what transpired once the battle uh, actually commenced. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all the ability to practice everything that was said and heard. Subhanallah wa bihamdihi. Subhanakallah wa bihamdik. Nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta. Nasaghfiruka wa natuhu ilayk.